Happy Monday to you all, as all is right in the world of sports once again. LeBron James got a win in the playoffs against the Celtics when he was down 0-2. The Golden State Warriors are right now routing the Houston Rockets, and unless some crazy, crazy stuff happens in the last eight minutes of this ballgame, we know what's going to happen here. Warriors by a lot. The Yankees are playing baseball again and winning baseball games again. And the Mets with a good old sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks. With me tonight... Alec Argento Sup. on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Hopefully you guys are listening and having a happy Monday. But hey, if you listen on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, eh, I still appreciate you. Still, You just may be a little, be, be, be a little bit behind on stuff. I think a little bit less of those people. Yeah? Yeah, no, eh, for sure. You don't want to neglect any listeners. What if they got around to this a little later? You know, the Warriors' next game didn't happen yet, and they want to hear about what we have to say. If you're not current with me, I'm not current with you. I'm out on you. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, well, I'm current with the Mets, and despite their three-game sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks, still feels like they're in a rut. Sure. For sure. Like, I don't know why. Just everything with the Mets just seems really negative right now. Like, Jacob DeGrom goes out, 13 Ks, one run, like, great game. And it's like, eh, Mets still stink. Like, <laughs> it's Wait, real, really weird. Real, real quick, did he go out there for one inning the other day? Yes. For, like, 50 pitches? I didn't watch, but That's I correct. had him on my fantasy team. <laughs> that is correct. That is exactly what happened. He, Oh, he thought he was playing for the Yankees, where it was supposed to get rained out. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. how, how weird was it for you, you know, having such a big stretch of games for the Yankees, and then middle of a week... Big series against Nationals. Well, not like a huge series, but something you're excited about. You don't play them that often. Going to D.C. I had a friend who went to D.C. for both games. <laughs> Obviously didn't see it. Oh, hey, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously didn't get to watch much baseball. And then, you know, you get thrust back into the Royal Series and look a little rusty. But you guys are back on track, right? Sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy, though, that I can forego me hating playing in National League Parks for a little bit. That, that's always cool. Get to skip out on that. You'll just get a random uh, game and a half in Washington like later in the year. Not even a half. Three innings. <laughs> <laughs> What's it scheduled for August? I, I, I Just imagine having to manage that and just be like, all right, I have three innings. What am I going to do here? It's just going to suck. And you know, the crazy thing is we can pick apart Aaron Boone's use of a bullpen right now sure in, in May. And we, we probably sure will can. in I a will. little bit. Uh, same with Mickey Calloway, for example. But, you know, any team. Now, when it gets actually really serious, because now you know you can post get, Memorial Day is, is is baseball, right? You can look past a, a bullpen blunder in May, but now you have this extra like weird game and a half in August. Y'all have had a couple of other rainouts already, and then when it's going to be the most important part of your season, presumably when you're fighting with the Red Sox for a division or a wild card, which is going to be huge, you're going to have an extra game and a half just thrown in there. That's not going to be fun. We have like six double headers we have to make up, like six of them. <laughs> it's unheard of. It is unheard of. And, it, and it's happened across the league more, almost more than ever, but it feels like it's happening to the Yankees a lot. Yeah, I mean, thank God the Red Sox just kept pace and didn't move past us because they had they had like four extra games to play last week that we didn't have. And you know what? The way the Mets showed up against the Blue Jays, where one game they won by 10 runs, the next game they looked like they didn't want to be there and they were completely content with winning one of two and they just like mailed it in, lost by 12 runs or not 11 runs, whatever it was. I almost uh, felt... Like, I wish that game got rained out at the moment because <laughs> it was a pathetic performance. And that's kind of why their three-game sweep feels a little weird. But, hey, we're going to get into it. A lot of stuff to come. Uh, we got some NBA playoff chat about LeBron and the Celtics and then, obviously, the Warriors-Rockets. We're going to hit a lot of baseball first. Alec Argento, any last words before we start the SBMI podcast? Uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. I like those words. Yeah, man. Well, stay tuned. Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy, 
Alec Argento. Here. Today. Talking sports. And. We're not doing this. And. <laughs> we're not doing this. And then. Nope, nope, no. We're not continuing <laughs> sentences. Maybe later. We'll do that as a last segment. We'll try to First make. First rule improv. Man. How about this? This could be fun. This could be fun. You just ruined my little intro monologue I had planned out in my head and all that. But how about last segment? We try to make a sports take. By finishing each other's sentences. Sure, that's easy. All right, <laughs> we're doing that later. Stay tuned. That's a good tease. And <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> uh, Sports Block New York podcast, iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud. You know, Pocket Cast, Overcast, wherever you listen to, <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts, it's there. So can subscribe I listen to it on my phone. Oh yeah. Can I listen to it on my laptop? Absolutely. Oh, big news. Yeah, that's and uh, breaking news of the day. <laughs> breaking news. Um, <laughs> If you could so kindly, just hit the like button, maybe subscribe. I don't know. Drop some stars. Drop some thoughts. We'd love to it's hear from you. It's not, not a trap. We just want to hear from you what you want to hear more We're about. We're taking your data. <laughs> There's no ter- special terms of service, so we can do whatever we want with our data. Um, thank you for listening. Definitely drop some thoughts, what you want to hear more of, what you like, what you don't like. we love to hear from you guys. And that's on the Apple Podcast app. Drop in a rating and review. We appreciate you. Bada bing, bada boom. But anyways, Alec Argento, P. Kennedy. We talk in some NBA. We're going to talk a lot of Mets and Yankees. I think we're going to start there because technically this Warriors-Rockets game is still on in the background. The Warriors are up like 30 points right now and all feels right in the world again. Super, super quick thing before we jump to baseball though. Sure. Weird, weird thing with the Rockets and the Warriors specifically. It's kind of like the microcosm of the NBA watching these two teams. Uh, it seems that no matter who wins, it's a double-digit game. Like the Warriors either win by you know 15 to 30 or they lose by 15. For sure, it's a it's a weird thing. Is that just it's threes? It's the threes, right? It's the threes, man. You live by the three, you die by the three. <sighs> but damn, do the Warriors live by the third quarter? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a little boring to me. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I know West, how you feel. That West, no, no, I, I, the Eastern Conference. I'm into. Okay. The, the Western Conference Finals. I'm out on. W- were you at all shocked that LeBron and the Cavs just took care of business at home? No, they were going to win at least two in this thing. I mean, they could still win the series. I wouldn't be surprised. They were winning at least two. Uh, they were going to win their at least one of those home games, you know? Yeah, Ve- Vegas agrees with you. The odds have not swung against the Cavs yet. Like, even though the Celtics won game one and two. They're still favorites? It, they're still, it's even. It's um, Cavs yeah. are minus 120, Celtics are even, and that's what it is. So, Vegas still thinks the Cavs are in it. And when Vegas thinks something, I think it's very possible because they know it's good. They want to sway the public money, man. And I guess shout out Vegas Knights at, the, at this moment. I guess. And that, that's talking hockey? <laughs> that was a, yeah, that's a weird... Well, I said Vegas, and the Vegas Knights just made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, I know. Well, so, just... how you doing? How you been? That's pretty That's pretty good. Wait, they officially made it? Yeah, they won uh, their last game of the series today, w- earlier on Sunday. What's going on with the Capitals series? Uh, the Capitals have now lost three in a row. So, they're down? They are now down. Holy crap. And uh, I may have decided, like a week ago, that the Caps were winning the Cup. Maybe I put the kibosh on them. But, I, again, I don't really care. Cause a, I don't know nothing about hockey. <laughs> and I also don't really care about hockey. I just no. thought... You know, oh, Caps won two on the road to to start off the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever championship, whatever they call it in hockey. It's like, ah, they're in. They made it. They finally got over the hump. Seems as if they did not get over the hump. No. <laughs> if, if it's Tampa versus Vegas, two, like, strip club capitals of the world. Ah. Yeah. Good tidbit. I yeah. bet the the, the, I've never been. the beat writers are very excited for the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals, possibly. <laughs> Darren Ravel is hyped. <laughs> Darren Ravel. Yeah. Uh, see him at a strip club is a sight. <laughs> To see, I can imagine. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to baseball, about time. Uh, let's start off with the Yankees, because I have something to say. Giancarlo Stanton. Bad. No, <laughs> not what I was going to say. Giancarlo Stanton had this horrible start to the season where, you know, he's striking out every, every at-bat. He wasn't hitting home runs. He wasn't getting big hits specifically. He was just killing rallies. 
Now he's back in the swing of things. He's got his average up to 260. He has the same amount of home runs as Aaron Judge, same amount of doubles. Obviously, the average and the on-base percentage due to the lack of walks compared to Judge is down for sure. But now that the the original hype of him struggling is over, I think this is actually the perfect team for him. And I kind of not that I thought it wasn't before this. Oh, but really? hot take, Pete. No, but like <laughs> the the Yankees right now, the way they're constructed is that any one of these guys, DD Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, can go on a horrible cold streak. And unless it's unless like the team's losing bad, which doesn't seem to be happening, or it's the first two weeks of the season, it can get swept under the rug pretty quickly. A la Didi Gregorius right now, struggling. I mean, Gary Sanchez still has not really started hitting this entire eh, this series. He's, he picked it up a little bit, but he's, he's had his moment. He's had his area. moments of clutch hits as well. Sure, which is the opposite of Stan and, right. ju- and Judge, and you know. So my main point is, and I don't know if this is too soon to say something like this, but the Yankees seem to be at this point where they're a little bit too big to fail, and their offense is so dynamic and so good. Their pitching could be average, and anybody who happens to be struggling in a given series. Sweep them under the rug because there's three or four other guys who are picking up the slack. And as a non-Yankees fan watching this team, I know I went in on Yankee fans last week on the podcast. This team, the team not talking about the fans, is extremely fun. They're never out of a game. And it's very impressive. And you know what's crazy? Two things. They really haven't been hitting a ton of home runs. I know it seems like they have because you have a couple of people hitting like tens. Uh, you know, you have your, your multiple Sanchez. three people in, in double digits. I think it's four. Is it? Is it four now? It's, oh yeah, because Sanche- Didi. Yeah, as Sanchez, well. Didi, Judge, and in, in, uh, uh, Stanton. But they really haven't gotten a home, on a home run tear because the other part, none of them have hit together at the same time. Like you just haven't had everybody go on real hot streaks together at the same time. Yet, you, like outside of Didi going on that crazy month of, month of May, nobody's really just been consistent. Everyone's just had their games and ha- not had their games. You know. Um, once that, that's also what makes it scary. Yeah, it seems as <laughs> for if sure. They're too big to fail when their guys haven't even hit stride together yet. Wait till like we we've had like two back to backs the entire season. Wait till Stanton Judge back to back. Oh, back to back home, back home runs. runs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just wait till they just all start hitting at the same time. And really, they they haven't been hitting starting pitching very well. I know they they did in this Royal series, but the Royals are bad. Um, they really just been getting to bullpens, which is you know they, think of how many comeback wins they've had, or, or or you know scoring in the seventh seventh through ninth. Wait till they just start attacking right from the first inning. It's gonna be crazy, and that kind of goes with how much how many pitches they take. I mean, outside of Stanton, DD has. I mean, Stanton's approach isn't like Stanton can keep doing that. Wait, whatever whatever he's doing, he's kind of fine. But I'm saying like Judge takes a ton of pitches. Brett Gardner takes a ton of pitches. DD has taken more pitches this year than I think any year of his career. At least it Aaron, seems Aaron from Hicks the naked takes eye. A ton, takes a ton of pitches. And unless these bullpens are insane, which most teams just don't have the Yankees bullpen, uh, like they're gonna get to him early because no starting pitches are going longer than five or six innings right now. That might be the key to success all year long. Just get the starting pitcher out of there, and you're going to take over late in the game. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'll take it. It makes it more exciting for each win that we get. I mean, do you ever feel what? What's the limit for you watching a Yankees game where you feel like they're out of it? I mean, we've watched like three games this this season where they were getting no hit into the fifth inning and they won it. Like that's <laughs> that's pretty crazy. So you, I don't really think there's any point. I mean, I was at, I was at the Yankees Red Sox game not too long ago. Where they were down by what three runs and, and they came back in the eighth and ninth inning to, to win that game. That's against the Red Sox, who have the second best or tied for the best uh, record in baseball right now with the Yankees. I don't think I'm ever out of the game right now. This reminds me. A lot of people always compare it to the '98 Yankees just because of you know the records that they seem to be breaking at least at this point. This reminds me of the '09 Yankees a lot more, where 
they just came back every time. They were never out of a game. And I, I can't until they prove to me otherwise. They haven't lost a series. They've won eight straight series. They're like twenty four and uh, and four in their last twenty eight or whatever the sta- uh, the thing is. Since that nine nine start, they just haven't taken the pedal off the brake. It sincerely has, and this will be probably like the third or fourth time I've said this. It sincerely has been the opposite start to the season for the Mets and Yankees. The Mets came out super duper hot and got very cold. The Yankees were playing super duper average and now are super hot. Obviously, the Yankees uh, have continued their success for a longer period of time now, so there are more games above five hundred. But even with all the Mets struggles. You know, which has felt probably worse than it actually was. They are five games over 500. They are 24 and 19. They're still above the Nationals. They're behind the the Braves and Phillies. Which shout out you. You predicted they'd be very good. No big deal. I don't want to look too far forward here in regard to the AL East, but let's have some fun for a minute. The Blue Jays aren't great. The Rays aren't great. They're probably bad. Don't hate on the Blue Jays, man. The Blue Jays are a good team. They're average at best. I think they're above average. Their offense is really good. They just don't really have pitching. They have a couple good pitchers. So it sounds like they're average. Anyways, the Orioles are bad, <laughs> right? So my main point here— Orioles are bad. Rays are bad. My main point here is it's going to be the Yankees and the Red Sox. And likely, the way these two teams are playing so far, they are not going to be—either of them. Either of them are not going to be wild card worthy. They are going to be division winner worthy. In this new age of one-game playoff— <clears throat> MLB playoff set system, you know what I'm talking about? Like, is it almost unfair to have a team like the Red Sox and the Yankees, who may both have 95-plus wins, for one of those teams to end up in the wild card game? I mean, it happened last year with the Yankees and the Twins. The Twins were dog crap team. They weren't good last year. Do you think <laughs> and they almost need- beat us. They, <laughs> they almost beat us. Do you think there needs to be some sort of shift more closely to maybe an NBA playoff where, like, the divisions don't really matter and the best teams get the top seeds? Would that nah. work in baseball? No, nah, I, I, I like it. You, it incentivizes you to win your division. You're winning your division should be most important. And, you know, sometimes it's going to sneak in some teams that don't really deserve it. I mean, whoever's going to come out of the NL Central is not going to be that good of a team. The Indians don't look that good. I, last we were watching the game, they were getting no, no hit in the sixth inning against the Astros. Um, the Twins aren't good. The Tigers – but who cares? Like, you know, it's just it – just, that sometimes it's the luck of the draw. It all evens out in the end. And uh, I hate the way that the NBA system is or, or, or the I guess the NHL system is too. I think – you should want to win your division. You should want to play. Otherwise, it makes divisions pointless. Well, I guess in the sense of uh, MLB, you you play so many more games. I don't know if it's a relative equal or not to the NBA, but with the NBA, you play the guys in your divisions. What? I'm not. I'm not even sure off the top of my head. Was it like four times? Four times? Like or yeah. It's not six. I don't think it's, it's six not, times. It's not crazy. But you play every team in your conference three, and you play everyone in the league at least twice. So the division thing kind of gets wishy-washy, whereas in the MLB, you're playing the Red Sox, Orioles, and uh, yeah. Blue Jays. Did I miss one? And the Rays. You're playing them a lot. Yeah. So I guess that has to – there has to be an uh, an emphasis on winning division. Yeah, I want to just make a point here. You you act like the because the Orioles and, and the Blue Jays and, and the Rays have these bad records that we're just beating up on and getting easy wins – Maybe they're getting hard losses because we're, they're playing the Yankees and the Red Sox all the time. It's a good point. You know, the, the, I, I don't really think that you can fault the Yankees and the Red Sox for winning those games. You And you can't really fault the other teams for losing those games. It's just they're getting beat by better teams. So their records are, are deflated because of who they're playing and as opposed to the Yankees and the Red Sox having inflated records, I think. And early in the year, I mean, the Yankees did a little, did a little struggle job yeah, they lost both get, the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Yeah, they, they, they were getting <laughs> smacked around by the Orioles. So that, that is pretty interesting. Uh, wait, quick aside. You see Odell Beckham taking BP? Oh, yeah. With the Rays? No, uh, no Angels. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Did you know he had a Rays jersey on, though? But it was in L.A. 
Yeah, he was in he was in Angel Stadium. What a weird guy. Maybe he should focus more about rehab and ah, getting getting go getting on the field. Ah, I hate that. When you're injured, you got He's be- not injured anymore. Is he not? No, nah, he's running around. He's doing all kinds of stuff. If he get, if he gets hurt taking a few BP swings, I'm scared. BP. <laughs> BP. Some <laughs> <laughs> BP swings. Um, let's talk about let's talk about the Yankees bullpen and Aaron Boone cuz that's something that's very stressed by fans. It's like, what is this guy doing on a ni- any given night, even with his lineup to that point? And you were a big hater of Aaron Boone early after a couple of weeks. You I still were the same. A, I think he's, think he's a bad manager. Has he has he improved? And if so, what are some of the things you've liked better as the year gone on? No, I don't think he's improved. Uh, I think that he has a hard time. Uh, you know, one thing I I, I don't I, I give him credit for is it's hard to get people off days after they you know uh, after they had a big game. He does it all the time. It seems to work typically. You know, pushing the right buttons. That's that's always difficult to do. That seems to be the analytics thing. Still has not worked the bullpen great. Um, I mean, you look at all the people in our bullpen and all their talent. A lot of inflated ERAs in there. Uh, I think there was Don Mattingly said something a while ago. He's like the, the you know the, the worst thing for a manager's job is a bullpen who doesn't perform because it makes you look like you're not doing your job, and I think that's fair. But I don't think that Aaron Boone really has any idea what to do. every time he, he loves to leave relievers in there for two innings because uh, because. He's always shorthanded on the bullpen because he takes starting pitchers out in like the fifth and sixth inning, and then he has to throw these relievers out for two innings. And every time he does that, they give up home runs. It happens a hundred percent of the time that he's done that. So that- let, wait, let me let me give a little insight to something that you believe to the listener here. I know through watching baseball games with you, you are now accustomed to once you see triple digits on the pitch count. You're just expecting that guy to be pulled sure. out of the game. Honestly, I'm sure in your head, when you see like 85, 90, you're thinking that guy can be pulled at any moment. So what is the balance and who are the pitchers for the Yankees that you expect to push over 100 th- and to go 70? I think it's playing playing the game. I mean, Severino got taken out with like 70 pitches the other day, uh, yesterday. It was crazy. I, I, I think you have to play it. Like, you know, if if the guy is, is giving up two hits and has 15 strikeouts and he wants to go out for the eighth or ninth inning – and he's at 100 pitches, let him try it. You just give first on trouble, you take him out or whatever. But when, you know, when CeCe Sabathia, for example, has been dealing the entire game, and then he it's the fifth inning, and he happens to get the first guy, uh, you know, first and second with one out, and you take him out to get the matchup, you're not really doing him a service, you know? And then you waste your bullpen on that. Like a lot, and then every and then you're also bringing in a guy cold into a hot situation. Sure, exactly, and I think that's huge. It's it's like the pinch hit. Te- think of think of a pinch hitter, right? It's so hard for a pinch hitter to you know just come in and get a hit. Sometimes you can do it. You know, sometimes you play the matchups and it just works out. But more times than not, I feel like it just doesn't work out because they're cold. You know, you'd rather have the bat that's been there, been in there the entire game, uh, as long as he doesn't look horrible out there, and then you take it from there. And that's essentially what. What a reliever is? They're a pinch hitter for for pitching, you know. I guess that is their full time job, though, is to really like to pinch hit. Sure, for I don't I don't disagree pinch with pitch. That. I don't disagree with that, but I'd <laughs> Wait, rather. Why don't they call it the pinch pitch? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna start calling it a little pinch pitch. I can't even. I don't even Pete, know. What I'm Pete, I'm talking. Right. I'm, I'm to- just don't don't ever interrupt me again. My bad. I'm gonna turn my mic off. Now I feel. Now I forgot what I was gonna say. But you know, I think I think for a reliever, like relievers, love to give up inherited runs, right? So at that point, 
Because it doesn't go on their ERA. Exactly. And then you like you, you look at these things. You look at like Jonathan Holder, who looks like his ERA has been trimmed down a lot. Every time he comes in with somebody on base, that person scores. But he doesn't give up his own runs, so his ERA goes down. So then you, then you have this fallacy in your head that he's good when he's not. He still gives up a ton of, a ton of runs. So rather the the starting pitcher go in there, not burn your bullpen. Let the, the let the, the the reliever get their inning, uh, and don't waste them for two. And and I think that that's something that Aaron Boone has really just not figured out. And he he bullpen is something where he loves to play analytics. And it's very clear that he he can't like make up his own mind on that. But there's a lot of gut uh, instincts that that are involved in the bullpen. I don't think he has that ability to do that yet. Do you feel he has it with the lineup? Because he's been doing a lot of tinkering, a lot of like moving him. Mm. Yeah, he has been doing a lot of tinkering, and I guess you can't really fault it. But I think that there's certain things that you, I think he's afraid to to make certain decisions. Still, like Didi should have you should you got to change Didi at this point, right? Didi's over his last a thousand at this point. You got to put him into a situation where it's a little different. He got the day off today. I know he did, but he also had a week off. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe that's not the right move. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to give him that move, so maybe put him up in the in, in the in the lineup. Maybe put him at two. Maybe put Judge at three, and then and then stand down. Right now, Stanton and Judge can can have you could see that they're they can you know hit or at least Stanton's hitting. Judge is over uh, for that entire series, so uh, maybe maybe they can't stay together. Which is about retooling that lineup, and it's not always about lefty lefty right you know lefty righty lefty righty or anything like that. I think certain people could just hit better when there's certain protection next to them. You know, I think Sanchez needs to be moved around too. I think that the, the lineup right now, I think there's a reason they're not all performing at the same time. Um, it's because they're not put in the situation to perform at the same time. I, I think it's interesting because I saw someone on Twitter earlier, and it wasn't like a reporter, and it was just like somebody I know. I forget who it was, so don't feel bad uh, not citing their tweet. But basically, what they said, they quote tweeted the Yankees lineup for Sunday. I keep saying today, but I'm going to try because today's Monday or Tuesday for people listening. But on Sunday, which was today for us, um, he basically, how it worked out was all the outfielders hit in the top of the order and all the infielders hit in the bottom of the order. And the guy's tidbit was basically Aaron Boone's at this point with the lineup that he could just kind of throw throw spaghetti at the wall, see if it sticks, and he's just going to be laughing home because this team can just hit top of the order. Sure. I mean, here's the thing, right? So it's hard to fault somebody for a win, right? But at the same time, it's kind of like that Brian Cashman mentality where you're, there's always something to improve, or that Bill Belichick mentality or something like that. And I, I still think that there's a ton you can improve on this team. I don't think that it's actually functioning to its full capacity. Uh, and I think there's there's things to work on there. One thing I love that Boone does, and, and I, I don't think he gets enough credit for it, though, is hiding Glaber Torres in the nine hole. Glaber Torres is the best nine hole hitter in baseball. It's a beautiful thing to hit in the nine hole. It really is, and it table sets a lot more. That I think eventually he's going to flip-flop with Brett Gardner, and I think that's probably smart. Uh, not only just because Glaber is a better hitter than Brett Gardner is at this point in his career, but I also think Brett Gardner is a better person to sneak in a lineup at the nine hole. He than might Glaber's. need to help a little more right exactly. now. Exactly. he's been struggling. Exactly, and I think you could hide him a little bit more. He has been struggling. He's had some big hits. It's not like I want to take him out of the lineup or anything like that, you know, or for Clint Frazier or anything like that. I know a lot of people say that, which is stupid. It's just a little too soon. I, I, all I want Clint Frazier to do is keep performing in the minor leagues so that we could trade him because he'll never be anything special in baseball. Wow. Hot take. 
He's just not that good. Some people really love him. They say his bat speed's incredible. But when they say, oh, I haven't seen a guy swing that 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 smoothly that quickly. His bat speed is so fast when he's striking out. <laughs> 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 like, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's like, he's going he's gonna to be someone who plays baseball professionally for a long He's going to be Austin Jackson, I think. Austin, like, you okay. know, where he was a top prospect. He was like the crown jewel of the organization. And then he came up, and he was just kind of a little bit above average for most of his career. Hits a home run here and there, and you're like, wow, this guy's yeah. got pop. Exactly. And then he strikes out four, four times the next game. Sure. And, you know, he'll probably bat like 260 for his entire career. He's not going to – he doesn't really have a good eye, Clint Frazier, and he doesn't really have too much power. He can rake on AAA pitchers, but that, I, I just don't – I don't think I've ever seen it translate into uh, – but, you know, if there's ever a time for someone I, – I, Aaron Hicks – has been hearing that he, that he might be coming up for his job right now, and he's just he can't get out right now. Aaron Hicks has a way of doing that. It's <laughs> kind of like you know, before the season, I I said on a podcast with Phil and Mike saying, Aaron Hicks is my X factor. Not the you know not the most flashy guy on the team, not going to have the best stats on the team, but can be a like really good glue guy who just gets the job done, plays good defense, has some pop, all that. He started the the year very slowly. And now, like you said, Clint Frazier's out on his ass, yeah. and he turns up. Well, it's it's not just him. I mean, Greg Greg Bird's coming around. Tyler Austin is hitting meatballs into 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 the parking lot every day. Um, I mean, Miguel Andujar, uh, Brandon Drury's starting to come back. Miguel Andujar is, uh, you know, starting to really pick it up again. By the way, that whole idea that um, it's a good problem to have is such BS. It's ridiculous. You have so many issues right now, and you don't know how to play it. You don't know what to do with Brandon Drew. You don't know what to do with Clint Frazier. You don't know what to do with Greg Bird. And there's just not enough roster spots, and you're going to lose someone. And then what are you going to do? You're going to trade for unless you're trading for starting pitching and fixing that problem. You're just going to continue to have this problem. Maybe the organization has a really good feel on who's staying up and who's getting sent down, or who can possibly get moved up and down. But from a fan perspective, and me working at WFAN uh, here and there part-time on the side of my regular job, I, I now screen callers and listen to these callers call in day in, day out with these trade proposals. And peop- like fans are crazy enough to say, oh, what well, we can package Andujar and Torres for uh, Pitcher X because we have Drury and Bird and we don't need them and this and that. And, and it's like these young guys, Torres and Andujar, are game changers right now. Yeah. And the idea, like what you said, uh, everyone says, oh, it's a good problem to have. Also, the idea that you can't lose your job to injury is wrong. That's 100% That's, wrong. It's a nice little uh, sentimental tidbit. I think Tyler Austin is my it's first baseman. Yeah. Like, Greg Bird hasn't done enough to just be given this, the job back. Yeah, he, he should be maybe given an opportunity, get his start here, get his start there, see how he does, maybe give him a couple starts in a row. And baseball is the sport where literally there's a term for it. Wally Pipped. Getting Wally Pipped, yeah. Yeah, and like there's there's no – unless you're freaking Mike Trout, unless you're Yoannis Cespedes for the Mets, who is just by far the best player on the team, you can lose your job to injury. <laughs> for sure. If there's a guy who comes up and does better than what you've ever done, Sayonara. And then, like, people people complained with Brandon Drury, said, like, how he hit his migraines. That's why he hit his migraines, because he lost his job as soon as he did, as soon it's as a good he point. came out with it. It's a good point. And, like, Brandon Drury, man, yeah, you feel bad for him. Concussions are a scary thing. You never want to, like, kick someone while they're down. Is that what it, Was it officially concussions? He no, had, no, he had a concussion on top of migraines or something okay. like that. I forget. Whatever. Either way, you feel bad for the man. I do 100%. But to say he's earned anything on the Yankees is wrong. He was 
he was uh, acquired as a like a safety net. I don't a know about that. To, they, they, no, a, a guy to to play a lesser role on the team. He wasn't hired to to bat fourth or bat second. He was hired to play a little third. Put play it this some way: second. if he was on the team this year, you're still making a play at Manny Machado. Absolutely. If, if Miguel Andujar like plays like this, there might not be a need to go get Manny Machado. If Miguel Andujar plays like this, there might not be a need for Brandon Jury to ever be on the Yankees again. Yeah, and then what do you do with them? It's, it's and you can't. Here's the thing too, Brandon like Miguel Andujar is more valuable than Brandon Drury, right? You got you literally got Brandon Drury for nothing. Um, if if you want to get a top of the line rotation piece, which you need, the Yankees do need that because between Tanaka and Sonny Gray, you never know who's going to come out that day. Even with CC Zabathia to a lesser, lesser extent, um, you need to get a top of the line. So who do you trade? Do you trade the rookie now who's been great? Like a Miguel Andujar to try to get like a Madison Bumgarner. Obviously, you can't just get it straight up. You have to and you have to big, have a big package or something like that. But just because you can, you know, you could slide Brandon Drury there, and he might not be that big of a dip just for this year. What's that decision there? You just you don't want to lose anybody on this team right now in terms on on the position players. They're all just great, uh, or have been playing great to at certain points. So I don't think it's a good problem to have. I think it's a good problem to have if you're actively seeking trades, which it doesn't seem like they're doing yet. No, not yet. Why would you? It's too early in the season. And and you're winning. Yeah. I just don't really think that these problems are sorting themselves out like people act like they are. I think we have a lot of people in the minors right now that are just wasting away right now. It'll be interesting to see what happens with what Brian Cashman does. And I, I say this as a non-Yankees fan, so take it for what it's worth. But in Brian Cashman, I trust 100%. Oh, sure. I think he's the best uh, executive in baseball. And he's done everything to prove it over the past couple of years. So we'll see what he does. You guys have a maybe an easy series against the Rangers coming up. But then you got the Angels and the Astros, and those aren't walks in the park. We're home, though. That is correct. You are home for the Angels and the Astros, but not the Rangers. Well, we beat them on the road. Going to Texas ain't that scary, though. Well, I mean, you know, we lost the game to, to the Royals, who have a pretty similar record to the Rangers. Like my man Meatloaf once said, two out of three ain't bad, though. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad, though. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we got to keep moving. Let's talk about the Mets for a hot minute. Sure. And I want to start the Mets conversation here. We were just talking about Gleyber Torres being perfectly hidden in that nine hole. It's really probably helping him a lot see more fastballs, this and that, this and that. A person being hit in the nine hole in the National League, which is a weird thing, Ahmed Rosario, basically every game, depending on who the starter, but it seems to be every starter. He bats ninth for the Mets on a National League team without a DH. So the pitcher bats eighth, he bats ninth. He had a nice little game on Sunday. Two home runs, first two of the season. He has shown some life in his swing. He's starting to hit the ball, but he was struggling mightily in the first uh, big portion of the season. He was a season. better prospect than Torres, by the way. He was. He was the top prospect in baseball, He was number two mistaken. overall and uh, to... I don't know, somebody else who has been good lately. Um, number two to somebody else. Yeah, I, I forget. That was that. great info. <laughs> I appreciate that. He was number two and Torres was three at a certain point. I remember that. Well, he's batting ninth. And with more life being shown in his bat. Oh, it's Ben Attendee. And the Mets having some sincere struggles on the offensive end. Obviously, now Cespedes being banged up as well. Is there going to be a moment where the Mets have to say, yo, Rosario, we cannot hide you in the nine hole anymore. We need you on the top of this order. I guess, but I don't really think it matters because I don't think that there's there's not really anybody who would make him bat better on that lineup. I mean, Conforto's starting to heat up a little bit, but you, you stay with what's working. I think with the Mets, I, I don't I don't think you could change much there because he's not going to get much better, and he's not really going to get many more opportunities. It doesn't really change. But I, I guess I'd rather have him hit eighth than ninth. 
because I think that putting a pitcher in front of him is a waste of, of potential. They, they've made up. that decision. Like that is a thing that happens every game, basically. I, I think it's a little bit different. Like like when the Yankees did it, which I still thought was stupid, um, to to like put Tanaka in there and then still put Torres at nine. It's a little bit different just because you have that offensive capacity there. The Nash and, and the Mets in the National League, they don't really have any offense on that team. They have like three players they could hit, especially now that Cespedes is out. Um, I get, I, you know, I, I you got to move things around a bit to to make that make that lineup produce a little bit more runs, but I don't know that that's necessarily the issue. Just I mean, just, hold, let me do this for a second. Just listen to this lineup that got put out today. <laughs> just listen to I it. I saw it. <laughs> Go. Brandon Nimmo. Okay. Happy to see him in the leadoff hole. Not gonna lie. But Jay Bruce is now our two-hole hitter, who has been struggling. He's batting 235 this year. Not a ton of power either. Wilmer Flores, historically very good against lefties. Historically very, very average or less than average against righties. Conforto, now in the four-hole. Maybe that's good for him. Maybe leadoff spot was just not his spot. Who knows? Then you have Adrian Gonzalez. <laughs> you have a second baseman in uh, Guillaume. I don't even have to say his name. I don't know. That's a, bad, that's a bad look, but whatever. He's a new guy on the Mets. And then we got Tomas Nito. Not very good. Uh, Mezzarocco is our real... Everyday catcher nowadays, but then it's the pitcher. Been doing, and Rosario, Mezzarocco. Yeah, he's been doing uh, better than anything we've had. I'll tell you that. Well, he's better than Travis Darno and uh, what's his name? Well, Travis Darno and Ploiecki have been hurt like the entire year. We've no, been running out Jose jo- Lobatone and Tomas <laughs> Nito, and that is not a good look for a starting catcher in the MLB. Uh, but Mezzarocco has showed some pop. He has a couple home runs on on his Mets uh, resume. But when when you just listen to that lineup, Adrian Gonzalez is your five hitter, and then your pitcher's batting eighth. Like, what is the second half of that lineup? That's what I'm saying. Is There's that's no what, life there. That's what you need on that lineup to keep to keep your pitcher at the nine hole. Yeah, but what hap- What what do you gain out of putting Rosario eighth? That's what I'm saying. having your pitcher up ninth. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're wait- oh, having your pitcher up ninth? Yeah. Well, you're hopefully Rosario has somebody on base. He's never going to have a pitcher in front of him. I mean, you know, it's just not going to – it's going to be an easy out in front of him. It's going to be a waste of a, of, of a base running opportunity for him. It, or, it seems as if, you know, they're – giving up that second half of the rotation to hope that Rosario flips the order and makes the top of the lineup stronger, which is their only strength of the lineup. Sure, but you got to stagger it a little bit. I mean, in, in you just that 5, 6, 7, 8 is bad. <laughs> it's Very just, bad. It's well, just bad. Let me also be fair here. Uh, Zerubal Cabrera has been the best hitter on the he Mets team. The he was out and then had a pinch hit home run, uh, which him and Rosario went back to back, which was huge. Uh, so it, with him in the lineup, he's been batting at the top of the lineup. Um, either leadoff or second, and he's been dynamic. He has over 50 hits this year. He's Rosario been, he's was been an object good. of derision for a while, though, this year. My fans did not like him. They thought he was a bust, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely, but we have no choice. We have we, we put now our all stock of a sudden in he's, Rosario. He's good. I mean, you should put your stock. He's a top prospect for a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And even with his struggle and, and 250 average, he has the uh, second most, uh, well, third most hits on the team, counting Cespedes, who's hurt right now. So even batting in the nine hole, not hitting particularly well, he still has the third most hits on the team. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lack of balance. Well, you you probably see a little bit more life when Conforto now was starting to hit again. And I mean, there's two people in that lineup that you're missing right now, right? You're missing Cespedes and you're missing uh, uh, Cabrera in that lineup. Well, Cabrera was just out today. No, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, if, but yeah, if you put that lineup out there, it's actually not that bad of a lineup. And you, you can have an Adrian Gonzalez out there in that lineup. You can kind of hide that. Todd uh, Frazier's also hurt at the moment. That's true. Yeah, I don't think Todd Frazier is anything important to a lineup. Why two two twenty isn't a good average? <laughs> I I said this before you guys got him. I, I I went on record on this podcast. If you think he's gonna bat anything above that, you are just wrong, and you're gonna be very disappointed. Uh, and a quick cleanup on Mezzarocco. 
he actually has three home runs for the Mets so far in uh, just seven games. So he's, he's a lottery he, ticket. I, he's been hitting well, 340 I so could far see, for the Mets. I could see, uh, I know it's very early to say this, but I could totally see that trade working out for both teams. They, I think those two players just needed to change the scenery. Uh, they're both, you know, they both had a ton of talent and have proven that they can do well in this league. They just, it wasn't working out with those teams. I mean, it, it was an absolute no-brainer. Uh, we had to get rid of him no matter what. And the same reason when it, with Jeff Eisenband two weeks ago, or maybe you said it with Duffy, I forget, um, why the Yankees would never want Matt Harvey right now because Aaron Boone doesn't need to be asked about Matt Harvey on a day of a CC start. And he does, the Yankees just don't need that yeah. garbage in, in their organization right now. The Mets were at the point where it wasn't a Harvey start, and they were getting Harvey questions. Yeah. Even if he when he was in the pen, he wasn't pitching, there were Harvey questions. In the postgame, in the pregame, no organization— pre-game, huh? The pre-game or the pro-scream. <laughs> there was questions about Matt Harvey. Um, <laughs> no organization needs that, especially one that's been struggling. So it was an absolute no-brainer. If a Mesoraco can be a consistent bat from the catching position, god damn, that is an amazing trade and a great risk. What, what do the they Mets. do, though, with like Darno going forward? Darno can be Wally Pipped yesterday, tomorrow, or sure, the next but, day. But he probably has some some like you know, value to him on the trade market. He's been he's very, a starting catcher. He's yeah, but he's been very injury prone and has not specifically taken that next step as a hitter consistently. I don't disagree with that, but I mean, you know, he if a team loses loses a catcher, or I, I don't really know what's going on in the league in terms of that, but if they lose a catcher somewhere, he could be a starting catcher somewhere, you know, and, and that's kind of hard to find. You don't want to roll your backup catcher out there all the time. That's a good point, and we were rolling two different backup catchers out there for a couple weeks. <laughs> what's his, what's his injury status? <laughs> he's out for a while. I'm pretty sure he's out. I don't know exactly what it, what's going on. I'll look it up while we chat here for another minute. Let's segue quickly to the Mets pitching staff here. Sure. And I want to start with Jacob DeGrom. Despite despite the uh, little injury scare and, you know, not going on the DL, going on the DL, coming back and starting, pitching one inning like you mentioned in the open. Now another fantastic start, 13 strikeouts, one run. DeGrom looked fantastic. He are, his ERA is a 1.7 right now. He's been, for all intents and purposes, Extremely good. He's been the ace. Better be a Yankee. Stop it. Better be a Yankee. All right. So basically, you by you saying that, you brought up my question: Is there a world where the Mets should trade Degrom or Noah Syndergaard? Yeah. Because I, I, I the callers are in for it. Certain fans think they should do it because we should blow it up, even though we're still above five hundred. Is there a world the Mets should trade one or both of those pitchers? I've been saying they trade. They should trade Degrom for the past two years. I, I, Syndergaard you hold on to because he's give your, give your full reasoning as to why because I personally can't get behind it and it might be my Mets fanboy sure. blocking my vision here and I don't I, I always try not to do that but sometimes it's hard he's our best pitcher when he's out there we have a chance to win I don't care who we're playing why should the Mets consider that trade well then you know the Mets aren't going to pay him when he gets the market anyway right he's already pushing th- is he 30 or is he pushing 30 he might be 29 but I'll check yeah so he's he's I think he's got a year left on his contract after this year. Um, the Mets have no farm system to speak of at all. Um, you trade him. So you're not winning a World Series with this team, right? Do you expect that this team to contend for a title, or do you think that they might win the division? I think in this division, with how young the Braves are and how young the Phillies are and the Nationals struggling, the Mets have as good a chance as anybody to be okay, right in the mix. So of you're it. thinking of this year, right? Sure. So you're talking about how how good and young the Phillies and the and the uh, and the Braves are, right? So what happens next year when the Mets get a little bit worse, right? And they have no farm system to, to bring people up. 
what's the point of this year? You're, there's no shot that they win a World Series this year. They're not a legitimate contender. They might win the division, but and they, honestly, they, they might they could probably win the National League. But there's no way they're winning. Uh, they're they're winning a uh, a title this year. There's just absolutely no no way. The American League is too stacked for whoever that comes out of the National League, especially the Mets, uh, to to really compete. So if you're not winning this year and the window is already closing, get out ahead of it. And the the quicker you trade Degrom, the more value he has. I don't think you should trade Syndergaard. You have plenty of years left on him. He's only like 25 years old. But this is this is what happened with like uh, like with Jimmy Butler, right? When they right. waited a year to trade him, mm-hmm. and then his value became a lot less. It's just this is what's going to happen with Manny Machado too. The, they, the, the Orioles could have traded him last year, and they could have got a king's ransom for him. You get a you get a year and a half of of uh, of Degrom or Degrom right now, and you'll probably get three top line prospects. And I I know I joked about it. Kind of half joked about it, but with the Yankees, it's a perfect match if if it wasn't the Yankees. Right, because they're not going to trade. They're not going to do that. They should. It, it would be a perfect trade for both teams. It really would. The Yankees have the exact farm system that they need. That the that the the that um, they can pick the from. Mounts, they can pick from. Hundred percent. They're then they're not going to trade with like the Astros, right? They're not going to trade with the Red Sox. The Red Sox don't have a farm system. All of the top teams outside of the Yankees don't really have a farm system anymore. The Red Sox, uh, the Red Sox never really had one. And then um, the Astros got rid of all of theirs. So who's who's left for you to get rid of that? And if you, if your window is closing, start opening up another one, you know? It's a good point. And real quick cleanup. I, I, I kind of knew that Darno was out for the season. And I didn't want to say I anything because I wanted to double check. He's getting Tommy John. He, uh, torn UCL. So is he, on his, uh, th- his throwing arm or his, uh, his, catching arm, his uh, glove arm? It is on his right. Is he, is he right? Yeah, it's on his throwing arm. He's a catcher. Of course he's ready. Yeah, so he's getting Tommy John. Travis Darno is after the season. I knew he was after the season. I wanted to double check as to why. Let me try to give you my unbiased thought on what you said here about trading someone like Jacob deGrom. Should probably wait to close to the deadline when one of those playoff contenders really need him to get the the biggest load back. If I were the leader of a 2K franchise or an MLB the Show franchise, and my team was trash, and I'm simming like three weeks at a time, and I'm winning, you know, half my games or less, that is a trade I would consider. You are correct. It's a trade I, that the Mets should consider probably. Well, especially I, because it's the Yankees, they know that they're going to get more than they would if it was any other team. Right, and knowing the Mets, I don't think they're going to do it. They're gonna they're gonna keep Degrom. They're gonna probably pay him well after they should have or should pay him, and then they're gonna be stuck with a guy who's possibly injury prone leading his career. Now I'm obviously not hoping on that. He's the type of pitcher that doesn't need to be throwing 95 plus. Obviously, he's a real real pitcher. I completely completely understand your point. I do not think you're wrong. I just don't see the reality of the Mets actually pulling the trigger on that pl- on that sure. move. Well, even though they probably for should. the fans' perspective, like you're saying, and you're someone who tries to keep it objective. Think of everyone who doesn't. <laughs> You're right. It would be a PR nightmare because people won't look at the long term. They'll look at the short term. And the Mets are never looking, thinking about the long term. They're always thinking about the short term. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm so hesitant here is because the people who are telling me we should trade DeGrom are not fans of the Mets. No, and, I get that. And maybe, maybe that's the telltale sign. Go against the crowd, right? That's kind of like my thing yeah. with when I, like gambling as well. It's like, oh, every, everybody's on the Celtics tonight. It's like, all right, Cavs. If everyone's on the Cavs, go Celtics. Vice versa. Maybe all the Mets fans are saying, yeah, we can't trade DeGrom. He's our only guy, only one giving us a chance to win. We got to keep him around. Maybe that should be the sign to say, let's make a forward-thinking move. 
and make this happen. Well, I just keep thinking, right, as a Yankee fan who ne- who knows we need a top of the line rotation piece to win a World Series. Who, well, I don't know that we kn- I, we need one. I think we do, right? I'm looking at the trade market right now to get one. Who's out there? You're not getting Kershaw. There's no, no shot you're getting Kershaw. Madison Bumgarner's who you want, right? Madison Bumgarner is coming off of an injury that he's been out for months, right? He um, is also uh, going from a different league and everything, like going to a different city, different coast and everything like that. Probably going to be some growing pains with that. So you're really just down to him and DeGrom, and, or maybe Syndergaard. If, if for teams that you're not going to get Patrick Corbin from, from the Diamondbacks, they're probably going to win that division. Who else is there for you to trade for? That, that there's a, a, you know, there's no Chris Sales out there anymore. They're on a team. There's no Javi, uh, I mean, uh, Jose Quintana's anymore. And say even like a Marcus Stroman becomes on the market, the Blue Jays aren't giving him to you guys. You're less likely to get Marcus Stroman than you are to get DeGrom for, as the Yankees, mm. I think. Uh, I don't think the Blue Jays would ever trade him in, in, in division. Right, that'd be crazy too, especially because he would be out for vengeance. He's, a, I think he's a Long Island. I guy actually as don't well. like. He is a Long Island guy. I actually, I, I like Marcus Stroman because he's a cool dude. Uh, he is a mental midget. He he would not fit well in New York. He gets destroyed by the Yankees all the time. You said the same thing about Giancarlo Stanton. And Giancarlo Stanton has not proved anything to me yet. <laughs> we'll wait to see until he like you know actually goes on a ridiculous tear and starts hitting home runs. Really I, change your mind there. I, that's the whole thing though with Stanton. He still has not gone on a tear. He he creeps towards his average being respectable. Which is cool. I like that. I want every time he's, there's anybody ever on base, though. He's still not really doing anything. He had a couple leadoff doubles. He had a piece or two, but everyone's gonna have a piece or two. I mean, Neil Walker had his day, his day this year. You know, like he had a, he had a week and a half That's where a he point. was he was killing it. Does that make make Neil Walker? You know. Oh impervious? man, don't get me started. Don't get me started because after he had that week and a half, he earned his pinstripes, brother. He was on. Oh, he's a Yankee oh, I hate for the, life. I hate the earn the pinstripe nonsense. Ugh. Um, but I'm just saying, it's like Neil Walker is still Neil Walker. He'll, everyone on this team, just in any in any team, is going to have a couple of big hits that are going to win a ball game. It's just how it works. If you're playing 162 of them and you're getting a lot of at bats, you're going to get some big hits every now and then. It's just how it naturally works. Uh-huh. But you can't forget all the times that they don't. And it's it's about you know getting in the middle of it and seeing what's going to fit. Well, that's a good point, and I think the Yankees are still on the right track, even with all the things we can talk about and pick apart. Sure, there's a lot of things to be happy about. The Mets. Eh, picking it up, got a sweep. We're there. Time to trade Degrom, baby. Trade Degrom. It's an interesting conversation. It's one I can't really get my head around at the moment. But we know what he looks like in pinstripes. Thank you. Was it New York Post? Uh, well, the Mets have a pinstripe uniform. So how about that? The good pinstripes, the nice ones, the ones that matter and win championships. <laughs> the ones that matter and win championships. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Well, anyways, that's good stuff on the Mets and Yankees Sports Blog New York podcast. Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento. You know, we're here talking sports. And now it's time to talk a little bit of the NBA playoffs. So maybe 10 minutes. 10, sure. 10, 15 minutes. Sure, man. we got some time here. Uh, let's start off with the game that just happened that finished as we uh, started this podcast. In case you were shocked and you didn't get the news, the Warriors won by a lot of points. <laughs> and they're back. As we said in the Open, all is right in the world of sports again. The Warriors won and, Le- and LeBron and the Cavaliers uh, won at home against the Celtics on Saturday. You said you're not interested in the Warriors-Rockets series. No. Is your main reason for a lack of interest due to the fact you don't think the Rockets have a real chance? It's definitely a part of it. So what is the, what is the main reason? I don't know. It just it it's it's also these blowouts. Like there's not really it's, it doesn't feel competitive. It's just even you know even if even if it's just the, if it goes to game seven or anything like 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 you were saying before, it's they're going to win by twenty. Whoever wins every game, and it just doesn't feel like it's a real really competitive series, game to game. I, yeah, it's weird because anybody can win 
a given game. Yeah. But you're not likely to see high-intensity basketball in the fourth quarter. Right. The first quarter is going to be electric almost no matter what. But it's, the fourth quarter is probably going to be a 10, 15 point it's game. It's just the Warriors deciding whether or not they want to win the game in the third quarter. That's what every game is going to come down to. Or if they're just out of it by then, because that happened in game two. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that, that was, that's just going to be a gentleman's sweep. I, I think that the Rockets just kind of snuck one win in there. I don't think they really have a chance to. That, that brand of basketball just will never work against the Warriors. And you, the funny thing is, I, you're not the first person to say that. And I listen, I've listened to probably four different NBA podcasts in the past week, and uh, some of them were after Game One, so the Rockets hadn't won yet, and some were after Game Two. And basically, what Mike D'Antoni did, and he caught all this crap after Game One. Yo, you just can't run only ISOs against the Warriors. It'll never work. You know, James Harden may be great. He had a fantastic game. Y'all still lost. Uh, you got to change something. You got to do something different. You can't do all these ISOs. And what did Mike D'Antoni do? He ran one more ISO in game two <laughs> than he did in game one. Even funnier thing to throw back to his old Knicks days, Mike D'Antoni was known for fighting with Carmelo Anthony about not running ISO ball. <laughs> he was known for fighting with Kobe Bryant about not running ISO ball. And now he has James Harden and Chris Paul, who are two of the best ISO players of all time, whether you believe it or not, statistics prove it. Harden has had the best ISO season ever. Better than Kobe, better than Michael, better than Melo, anybody. James Harden's ridiculous. And then they win game two by a long shot, and all of a sudden the game flips right back, and everyone's like, oh, the Rockets have a chance. There's another thing I think that pisses you off. Tell me if this is true. The knee-jerk reaction of the NBA people, NBA fans and media alike, Everything is, does, is that just, game. Yeah. does that bother you? Because like now the Warriors won – and a bunch of people will show up on TV and radio tomorrow and just say, oh, well, it's a gentleman's sweep, just like you did. But meanwhile, it might well, be more I, nuanced I thought that than beforehand, that. though. I just want to no, that up. No, for sure. But you just you just said it like after game three. And then if the Rockets turn around and win game four, well, the Rockets have a chance. No. It, <laughs> there's no repercussions to being wrong about this stuff. And the NBA has this amount of time in between every game to where these hot takes get spit out and then go into, into outer space and no one cares anymore. Is that something that bothers you with the NBA as well? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I, I don't really have my finger on the pulse of it. I, I don't really like your like your basketball Twitter is my baseball Twitter, so I don't right. really I don't really see it as much. But I definitely hear it. I mean, to a certain extent, everyone thought that the the Celtics were going to sweep that series. That's ridiculous to think that the Celtics were going to sweep that series. Insane. The I fact still, that I still can see them winning it. I, I, I mean, you know, nothing really changed. I, I, th I still think it's a toss-up. I think Vegas is right in just saying it's a pick. I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked with either of them winning. I sure do hope I'm wrong that the that the Cavs and the Warriors aren't going to win. I would like to see a different set of teams in, in, in the championship. It's very boring to me to see the same teams every year. But Especially since the Cavs seemingly have a zero chance this year. Yeah, it, like it, they had a, they they seem to have zero chance. They've had some chance in the past. They obviously won that one in the middle. This year, it seems like they got no shot. Was Lebron, LeBron's been in the finals what eight years in a row? This would be eight. Just like I don't know, it's just so boring to me. <laughs> You're just over it. I just I it's just I, I football like you might have the Patriots in it more often than not, but the other team is always different, you know, and and. The Patriots lose sometimes, and I don't know. It's just it's so it's so. There's no parity in the NBA whatsoever. So I don't want to talk about that because you know you and I can very much differ on that <laughs> on that conversation. Sorry. I don't want to get into it at the Bobby. moment. But let me ask you this: I want you 
you know, you're not a fan of the Houston Rockets, obviously. You don't think they're going to win. But just like put, them to. Put your, yeah, sure. sure oh, exactly. So you'd like them to win this series. Put your Houston Rockets fan hat on. Just try to put yourself in the realm of rooting for this organization. Daryl Morey, the uh, GM of the Rockets, making all these moves, has publicly stated multiple times, multiple platforms all over the place that this team is built to specifically complete and beat the Golden State Warriors. And now they're here, finally facing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, and it seems like they may lose in five or six. Would be kind of shocking if it was seven for some people. I don't think it would be too bad, but they can lose in five or six and seem to get blown off the court in all of those games. If you were a fan of a team where your leader, your GM, outwardly said over and over and over again, we're built to beat the Warriors, that's the only thing we care about, it's the number one priority on every single one of our lists, and then you get embarrassed in four games, how would you feel as a fan like that? I'd feel bad, Pete. I'd feel bad. Because <laughs> you... you I mean, I, I do this with the Knicks all the time, right? You you get you get pumped this information, this mentality that you feel like you're supposed to have, and you believe it, even though you shouldn't. Because for all intents and purposes, the Rockets are the, the Raptors of the West. You know, they're just not... To this point, why not, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, th- they can have a great record during the regular season. If you have any faith in them in the playoffs, you're dumb. Like, you know, they might win a series or two, but they're never going to win a, a championship. So, but you get fed this information from from the front office. It's rah rah, and get your get your fan fanship going. But it's gonna take you down more often than it makes you feel good because they're just gonna lose badly in the playoffs every year. So you would, would you would never want your GM to be that guy. I hate it. When, I I think you should just shut up and just let things go out of the court because I have teams that do both, and I don't get disappointed as much when the Yankees have a mediocre season that I do every year with the Knicks because I believe all of a sudden that they're going to have a great season, they're going to win a championship, even though I know otherwise, because the front office tells me I sh- they're, they're going to be competing this year. You know, It would be almost better if the Knicks weren't good at press conferences. Like, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the Knicks are good at press conferences. Sure also, are. you know, maybe it's because there's 60 media members in a room, whereas if uh, you know we had the Memphis Grizzlies press room, there's 12 people. The Knicks have these press conferences every year, and we get fed stuff from Scott Perry and Steve Mills, all these grand ideas of how to build a team and building a culture. Culture, culture, culture. You hear it every single day. But we don't see it. What What have you... Like, I love Scott Perry, what he's done so far. I think he's made a lot of right decisions. And, ha- well, more importantly, probably, hasn't made a ton of bad decisions, even if you want to say Tim Hardaway. I don't think that was the worst thing no, of all I time. Agree with you. So I think he's made a lot of good decisions and a lot of not bad decisions. What have we seen as far as a culture change? Have we seen anything? Or have we seen now David Fisdale hasn't coached a single game yet, <laughs> hasn't done a thing yet, and there's rumors every day about when he's flying to Latvia and when he's going to meet Porzingis. But that's Fisdale doing that, by the way. Fisdale is, just won't keep his mouth shut either. He like has these like just says these huge, grandiose, uh, sweeping generalities and what he's going to do and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go... We're going to be, uh, you know, Moutier is going to be incredible this year. I'm going to go to Riga and go talk to Chris Stapps and his family and get on the same page with them. Just, like, chill out, dude. Just, you know, get your parking space first in the parking lot, you know? Like, you'd rather him go to Latvia and then a picture leaks. Oh, David Fisdale's in Latvia. Yeah. Not just be like, hey, I've got to do this. i got to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to change the culture. I'm going to be uh, getting to know everybody's family, their, mo- their mother, their brother, their sister, their cousin. He won't shut up. That makes you nervous. It hundred percent makes me nervous. I I always want my coach, manager, whatever, to just just shut up. You know, just like just 
keep it on the court, keep it on the field. That was part of your concern with Fisdale that I don't think a lot of people here in New York really saw. You saw a guy who like wanted the spotlight, but yeah. for the wrong reasons, who who arguably may not be able to handle it because he's never been the face guy in any of the situations. Like, yeah, he he was with LeBron and Wade and Bosch in Miami. Yeah, he was a head coach before, but he was never the front man of the New York Knicks, who whether they have 20 wins at the end of the season or 50 wins at the I end mean, of the season. I day one, he was throwing out the first pitch of the Yankee game. Right. <laughs> he hardly finished his press conference. He was at the Yankee game throwing out the first pitch. Yeah, that was the same day, wasn't it? It was the same day. I, I, I'm really skeptical of, of David Fisdell. I don't think he's going to be very good. Uh, I, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. I just want to have the same coach... For his entire contract. Sure, but you know, you know, <laughs> it's not too much to ask. I, I agree, think. but I, I don't think he's going to be that guy. I think if you're going to have somebody who who you're like stable and could just, you know, keep everything going until you want to make the big move, you know, I don't think David Fisdale's the big move. You know, I think Hornacek would have been fine to keep on for a while just to keep a culture going, build it through him, get everybody on board or whatever his thing is. Now that he doesn't have the, these constraints of uh, of of the triangle anymore or whatever the case is. And just want you know Mark Jackson him after it's time to move on. You get your your Steve Kerr that's the big name, then and you bring him in. You know to really to really flip the script. You're yeah. Brad Stevens for argument's sake. Exactly. Do you uh, let's flip over to the Cavs and Celtics super quick. We'll spend a couple minutes here before we say goodbye. Uh, have you heard the love for Brad Stevens? Oh yeah. Have you heard his defense? Uh, I guess I'll call it a defense. His defense of his players, basically saying, guys. Stop giving me all the credit. We have actual real talent on this team no, who, but they don't, who are though. good. <laughs> they, so, no, well, I mean, like they have Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and I guess Tatum. Tatum. Tatum on any other team is not Jason Tatum this year. They don't really have the talent. It's 100% Brad Stevens. Is evidenced by the fact that Terry Rozier has been ridiculous in this playoffs. Don't tell me that it's the talent on this team when that's the case. But this might be exactly what you're talking about. So you're giving kudos to Brad Stevens, and what he's trying to do like his number one goal when he's getting asked all these questions and people trying to do feature stories on him about how great he is and how he's a genius and this and that, he's saying, no, 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 no. Don't put the spotlight on me. Put it on them, which is a smart move, opposite of what you think maybe David Fisdale would do in this situation. Oh, that's fair. Like, if they were like, Fisdale, you are a genius. He'd just be like, yeah, well, man, I'm just doing my thing. I'm trying my best, whatever. Oh, he like, should say it. that. He shouldn't be like, yeah, look at me. But it's just ridiculous, the, the, the notion of it. So I think he's doing a really good job. Because if you're a player, imagine you're a player, right? You obviously don't think you're trash. Uh, say you're Jalen Brown, right? You, Alec Argento is now the starting shooting guard on the Boston Celtics, averaging 20 points per game in the playoffs. And you think, like, man, I'm really doing a good job. I'm working my ass off. I'm playing sick. And you go to a press conference and they just ask you five questions about Brad Stevens. Would that kind of, like, bother you a little bit? Like, all these guys have egos. For sure. I don't think Jalen Brown is that kind of guy, though. Oh, God. Come on. <laughs> I'm just trying to make a hypothetical over here. that's a bad example. Here. Well, you then put yourself in that. Actually, Me? just out. Yeah, actually, really, just out. I'd be really pissed. <laughs> I want all the credit. Yeah, I want the, all the credit in the world. I, I, it's my time to shine. So, if a free agent sees this and sees Brad Stevens and the Celtics doing all this stuff, uh, you know, being being humble, for example, trying he's trying to give his players the spotlight and and the love they deserve. That's something that free agents would like. And then, if you think about the Knicks again, to bring it back there. That's not what seems to happen in the, in the Knicks organization. <laughs> Wait, do, do the Celtics have cap space? Um, not really right now, but they they have, they have some flexibility options for sure. Oh, okay, because I was gonna say, how crazy would it be? I know it wouldn't happen, but if LeBron went there, nah. no, 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 just not because of LeBron going there, but because Kyrie went there to avoid <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> that would be very funny. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one last question on LeBron. Obviously, I know 
You don't want to see him in the finals again. You don't care about him at this point. Where do you land on the LeBron staying in Cleveland versus leaving Cleveland? I think he's gone regardless of if they win or lose. Well, I mean, they're going to lose in the championship anyway. He's go- he he knows he is saddled with this horrible team, and he's going to go somewhere in the West. I could see him going to like the Rockets or something like that. Is there any team specifically that would piss you off? Because I'll I'll put you I'll lump you in with the LeBron haters of the world because they definitely exist. Uh, is there any team that would extra piss you off besides like the Warriors and the Celtics? Uh, that if LeBron went there, that you would be like, God damn, LeBron, you mother. Like, any team specifically that stands I, out? I like the Sixers. All right, for me too. Yeah, Same. but I, I don't really think that outside the Sixers, I don't really think anybody's in that situation. Not the Rockets? The Rockets wouldn't, that wouldn't bother you? No, not really. Um, because then you'd actually, I think I'd be grateful for LeBron's legacy, actually, that he would invite to go into that competition. You know, he doesn't have that, he, he stayed in the East where it's been easy for him his entire career. Um, I think if you if he invited the competition in the West, I think you could actually see a little bit more of LeBron uh, against real competition more often, and, and see. I think that would affect his legacy more. He would never do it. Yeah, but though. he'd also be joining an MVP probably in James Harden. I don't really think Chris he has Ball a lot of options, gamer. LeBron. To be honest with you, I think I still think the most exciting, the most fun option is the Lakers. He won't go to the Lakers though because they're not ready for a championship with him. I think he has such an ego. Which is he, Isaiah Thomas still on the team next year? Yes, he is. <laughs> Technically. Oh, he, no, he's a free agent this year. Okay, he's yeah. a free agent after the season. Sorry. Um, he has the confidence, I believe, that he just believes anywhere he goes is now a finals contender. I don't think... A contender, yes, but a legitimate contender is two different things. So, like, oh, yeah. Contender to make it there versus contender to win. Yeah, like the Cavs are a contender to make it there. They're not going to win it this year. You know, and I think that that's kind of what the Lakers are. Just they're on the opposite side. Like the ta- the same level of skill is on the Cavs as is on the Lakers. The Lakers just have a lot of upside, where the Cavs have all downside. All the downside. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't. I I think people are acting like LeBron has more options than he does. I don't really think he's he's not going to like a, a, like the Knicks. You know, he's not going to go to the Lakers. I don't think he really just has. Either, in my opinion, it's really just kind of stay with the Cavs. Go to Philly, and on the off chance, go to the Rockets. But I don't think he would go to the Rockets. I think it's really funny how Knicks fans react to LeBron to the Knicks rumors. Because there's one fan who's like, yo, that'd be sick. LeBron's going to come to the Knicks. LeBron and Porzingis, that would be lit. And then every other Knicks fan in the world is like, I God, I hate LeBron James. That's I don't me. want him anything to do with the Knicks. <laughs> I, 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 People don't believe me when I say I would root against him if he was on my team. But that's happened to me before with like Kevin Euclid, and I was so happy when Kevin Euclid got hurt and never played again with the Yankees. It was great. Um, I I would actively root against him while still rooting for the Knicks. I would just root for injury for LeBron all the time. That's such a crazy <laughs> thing to do, but I, I respect it. I respect your hustle. I hate him. I, I, so I respect, respect your hustle. All right, now let's place the odds. What are the odds? We have the straight uh, fourth straight finals in a row. Put your own odds. I know we said Vegas is before. Take your pick. Do you think the Cavs win the series? I don't, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do. That's such a cop-out answer. I don't think they will. Make a pick. My make st- make a pick. My stance is that the, that the Celtics win. Okay. Celtics win. How the many cop games? Cop-out answer. Seven? Six. Six. They're going to win on the road. Game six. We'll see. I think I think it's going to be Cavs in seven. The Celtics are going to win every home game until the last one. Well, if it goes to a game seven, I think the, the Cavs win that. Yeah, that that's that's, that's what, my take. That's what I said before the series. So that's what I'll say after it. All right. Well, now since it's a minute, hour and two minutes into this podcast, our last minute here, we'll do what we said what we were gonna do 
after the intro. We have to make a sports take, finishing each other's sentences. <laughs> okay. So if there's anyone listening now at this point, just rate rate us on this take alone, which could be really, really bad. <laughs> First off, do we get to pick a topic or do we just start uh, the sentence? I'm just going to start it for you. LeBron. James. Is going to. Be very bad at basketball. Ah, that's not. It doesn't <laughs> restart. 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 Let's. We just talked about LeBron. Anything but LeBron. Okay. Um. James Harden will be the MVP of the NBA and lose. And <laughs> come on, you gotta give me a some word other than end. Two, the Warriors in five games. Okay. I love how you just completely made up whether or not you want to do one word or two the entire way through. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to workshop that idea. We're and, going to workshop it. It was rough. And <laughs> bad showing by us. Uh, what are you going to do? I would have, if you allowed me, I would have just kept doing end the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying to pick up some slack for your lack of words <laughs> that you were using. My, all my takes are hot. They're always right, but they're always hot. I thought you were going to do something about Dak Prescott. Will uh, be out of the playoffs uh, in two years. Here's a hot take. <laughs> I mean, out of the. Des out of Bryant. The Will sign a contract with the NFL team called <laughs> Packers. Oh, okay. There's a hot take. I knew you wanted to say the team, and I didn't know how to get you there with one word, so I skipped a step. No, I, 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 would, I wanted you to say the team, but then you didn't, so you, oh, just, you just threw it back in me. I thought you wanted to say the team. And? <laughs> the Panthers. <laughs> I just He's gonna sign. To, he's he's going <laughs> to sign with the Packers. They're gonna. They're not gonna get along. He's gonna get cut, and then he's gonna sign with the Panthers. You heard it here first. <laughs> Book it. Book it. All right. Sports Block New York podcast. Alec Argento. Pete Kennedy. Any last words? Uh, go Yanks. Go Yanks. Go Mets. Oh wait. Go Robbie Cano. Oh. To jail. Oh. You're what dead. A, what a sad way to end the Sports Block New York podcast. He deserves it. Get well soon, Robbie. Take some more medication without steroids this time. (laughs) And you all have a great day. Thanks for listening.